Now this morning, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we have a lot of people out. I guess uh, when it gets cool like this, everybody's going to party. And uh, I wish y'all party at church. Now, I know some people are out visiting other churches and others are out doing, I guess, what is it, uh, school, a little school break or something? So everybody's fall break and everybody's out. And so don't panic. Uh, I'm sure everybody will be back uh, and, and, and back in the swing of things. But uh, you're here this morning. And so as the crowd gets a little smaller, it kind of gets... Uh, this is like, is he, is he actually preaching to me? Yeah, I am, because you're the ones that are here. <laughs> Unless you want to shovel it back. You, got, you shovel back to the live stream audience. And you say, hey, yeah, he must be talking to the live stream audience. We, uh, we might, because uh, we got a large live stream audience. They watch it after the fact, and they, they'll play it. There's a couple churches in the Philippines that use our service as their service. There's, a, there's a, a other uh, Papua New Guinea. Uh, they'll use uh, our live stream for their service service there's a number of churches that do that and so uh, uh, you pray about that it's outreach and, and this morning we're talking and going to preach on outreach missions outreach in the church and so let's see what God has for us here in Acts chapter 13 and he says in verse 1 now there we're in the church that was at Antioch uh, uh, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger and Lucius and Cyrene and Manan which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted that's a bad word the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salmaeus, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their ministry. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you now. Lord, help us today. Be with those that are traveling. There's folks that are traveling, trying to get away for a little uh, vacation. And Lord, we ask that you give them traveling mercies. There's other people uh, out. And, and Lord, uh, uh, but the ones that are just laying out because they're lazy, I ask that you stir them as they need to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, time is growing short. Souls are hanging in the balances. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. As we see here in chapter 13, we've been preaching a series of sermons through the Bible, uh, through the book of Acts, to be uh, correct, uh, on real church. What is real church? And, and again, uh, you see so many different things. If you was to plug into some people's live streams and what they're calling a church service, which uh, a lot of church services, I would not call it a church service. It's an entertainment circus. And, and, and some of those services, I fully expect them to bring the golden calf out next on some of this stuff that's going on. That is not real church. 
That is not church as defined in the Word of God. And so God laid it on my heart to begin to preach this series of message to keep us in the loop and to keep reminding us why we do what we do and the house of the Lord and why we're going to stay with the old paths. It's because we're biblicists. It's because we believe and practice the Bible. And I'm not going to give heed to every wind of doctrine that comes blowing across the land to try to promote church growth. You say, aren't you concerned with church growth? Well, of course I am. But I'm concerned with the right kind of church growth. Not the wrong kind. You know, there's two ways for something to grow. Something can grow just like a baby because you feed it and you nourish it and she'll grow. But there's also that growth that happens when you run over something on the road and come back to it in July, a couple days later, and it has swollen beyond recognition. That's also growth. And so we want to have the right kind of growth. But now... The focus, and we we begin that journey there in Jerusalem with the first church there. But now the focus has changed to the church here in Antioch. It is shifted from the church in Jerusalem. Now, why is that? And I'm going to give you uh, what I have dug out, and maybe you could dig out something more or something different, but I see something that is important. Did that thing flash? the power of God. <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. If it gives you trouble, Brother John, just shut her down. It doesn't matter. You, you're in charge up there. Now, if we go back, let's go back to Acts chapter 1. And in verse 8, I want to bring this to our attention, what Christ said to the apostles here in the church. Verse 8. He says, uh, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, watch this, both in Jerusalem, but he don't stop there, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So you see that? Well, the church in Jerusalem stopped with Jerusalem. And we learned that God had to send persecution in, or let me put it like this, God allowed persecution to disperse them to begin to reach Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. Now look with me in verse 14. And 15, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So they were waiting for the Holy Spirit of God, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together. He's, our, he's telling you how many people were members in this first church. We're about 120. And this thing grows. On the day of Pentecost, God adds 3,000 souls. And we, we begin to break down the, the, the six different elements that were in that church. Uh, remember, we were talking about the preaching, the pray, praying, the praising, and the fellowshipping, the breaking of bread, and the giving. And then uh, praising God, and God blessed that. But we see here that they stopped in Jerusalem. Now, this early church... They were prejudiced. 
They, and we're going to see this come up in chapter 15, because that's where we're headed. They did not believe that the Gentiles should be allowed to get saved. It's Jews for you. Uh, the Jews said, no, only the Jews can uh, get in on this thing called grace. And so we're going to see this thing escalate. It's one of a very big problem in the early church. And it was so much of a problem that it brought the church back together to search the scriptures to get the right in God's mind, in God's view, on can Gentiles get saved and yes, the answer is yes, Gentiles can get saved. And they did not have to become proselyte Jews and keep the law in order to get saved. We're going to talk about that because that's the very definition of legalism. But this church here in Jerusalem, they was not going to the uttermost parts of the world. They were not going to go to Samaria. They had nothing to do with the Samaritans. So they were prejudiced. And they stopped in Jerusalem. So God allowed persecution to disperse them to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then in chapter 11, remember chapter 11? We preached out of this where they were first called Christians in Antioch. Now there's a lot of interesting things that happened in this church at Antioch. Number one, your Bible, if you're packing a King James 1611 version, your Bible, that Bible, that one, that's the only one to my knowledge that comes out of the Antiochian text or what we call the received text or what we call uh, um, the, the majority text. All other Bible versions today come out of an Alexandrian text, Egypt. And in the Bible, nothing good comes out of Alexandria called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus or the MSS. And so all the other perversions. So there's really only two Bibles. You say, well, there's over 500. No, there's only two. There's one that comes out of Antioch. That's why it's important to know what's going on here in Antioch. The Byzantine text. The Syrian text. And then you got another brand that comes out of Alexandria, Egypt. That's why we pack the King James. We have the preserved Word of God. But Antioch, that's why it's so unique here. In chapter 11, verses 28 and 30 we see that they were first uh, called uh, uh, Christians here in this church. But, watch here in verse 28, there's something that is said about the church in Jerusalem. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. That's up there in Jerusalem. And Paul and, and Saul, watch this, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul, which is the apostle Paul. So now we got the church in Antioch and these churches that were started out of that great, that first, second, and third great persecution that come sweeping through the land and dispersed these same 
gifts of God, and they began to go everywhere preaching the good news that the Messiah had come and had died and risen again, and now man could be saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they started churches, and they began to disciple people, and that began to do the same thing. But the church here in Antioch, it takes off. Now, I'll give you my personal thought on this. I believe that we see the diminishing of the church in Jerusalem, and I believe they diminished because they were not missions-minded. My opinion. Hence, destination churches which continue to build bigger and bigger buildings versus launch pad churches, which reaches a sustainable size based on the demographics of the area that it finds itself in, and then breaks off to start new churches for God. I believe a lot of churches that are building mega churches, and have you noticed... That's the trend to build big mega churches. Now, if you read much, you'll hear that the guys say, well, the guys that don't have big churches, they, they bash the people that have big churches. And then big churches bash little churches. I, I'm not really getting into all that rhetoric. Uh, there's some good pastors that I know of that pastor what uh, uh, they say is a mega church, which is any church that has more than 300 people. But I will tell you this, you need to do your homework before you get into a building program and find out based on the size of your town that you're in, the community, how many people can you sustain so you don't build a church so big you can't pay for it when trouble comes. And so we see that the church in Jerusalem, because when we left it, it had 52,000 members. And they weren't going to go out. They were just all huddled in there together. And they had built themselves a destination church. And we see that Antioch is not doing that. And we see it right here that they're building launch pad churches. So the focus we see is now shifted to Antioch. And I believe it because it to be a mission-minded church. So I'm going to talk about a mission-minded church. And uh, let me broaden the scope up just a little bit. Part of being a mission-minded church is not just about sending missionaries. And you could preach this if we was in a missions conference. But it's about a church having an outward or an outreach ministry. And so it's to challenge us that we need to tell others about Jesus. That uh, one of the songs we sing was bringing in the sheaves. We need to go out and to bring them in and to see them come to know Christ and to see them discipled and then to see God work in their hearts and to call them into ministry. If a church is to survive, I believe it's going to have to have an outward focus. When you begin to focus too much on the internals, I believe that you're in those first stages of diminishing. 
And so if we're to continue to grow and to continue to flourish, we need to pattern ourselves off of this church here at Antioch where we are mission-minded and we support missionaries. But it's more than just supporting some missionaries. It's about taking some gospel tracts and taking them, passing them out and telling other people where you go to church and how good God's been to you because He's been good to you, hasn't He not? You do have something to say for God, do you not? We need to have that missions-minded church. We need to be a launch pad church. So many times today people just want to keep everybody. And because we're a smaller group, we want to keep everybody. (laughs) But you know, God does call people to ministries and to other places. I want to give you a couple of things here about missions and and preparing yourself for God to call you or to use you in ministry. Number one, you're going to have to be a serving saint. Look with me in verse 2. I tried to emphasize it as I read this. After he gets through verse 1, he starts verse 2 like this. As they ministered. Did you see that? Did you catch that? As they ministered, I will tell you this. God does not call lazy people. You take and go back in your mind to anybody that God has called to a work, and you check me out and see if I'm wrong. When he called Moses, what was he doing? Keeping his father's sheep. He was busy. Uh, when, when Joshua was called, what did he do? He was minister to Moses. Uh, when, when David was called, what was he doing? He was keeping his father's sheep. When Elisha, when Elijah come to Elisha and called Elijah, Elisha, what was Elisha doing? Plowing with a yoke of oxen. Say, so, oh, Wow. Yeah, there's something to that. Uh, you know what they say, one, if, if something happens one time, it could be maybe an accident. The second time, maybe a coincidence. But the third time, it's a pattern. And we see that pattern in the Word of God, that God is going to use people as they minister. You know, as an employer years ago, if I was to roll up on the job, and you know, sometimes you have this, uh, maybe there's a question on the job, and the workers that you have there, maybe they don't have the answer, and maybe uh, the builder doesn't have the answer, and you got to work it out uh, between the builder and, and the boss. But when I roll up on the job, I don't want to see everybody sitting on a bucket doing anything. You know, if one person is sitting on a bucket taking a break and you're paying him by the hour, it's not so bad. But by the time you get six or seven employees and they take a 15-minute break and it's not break time, you're paying that. That's called compounding. And it adds up real quick because the only way I get paid is by the job or the square foot. And so the sooner we can get the job done right 
the more money the company can make, and then the more money I can pay, and the more bonus I can give. And so you don't want to see somebody, when you roll up on the job, uh, uh, doing nothing. And as my father taught us, because dad <laughs> owned the business <laughs> and, and worked it before we did, son, if you don't have nothing to do, get you a broom and sweep and start cleaning. <laughs> Because I have a tendency, I, I, you know, most of you have caught me working around here or caught me when I just finished working and I'm leaning up against something or I'm sitting down, taking a break, drinking a cup of coffee. I assure you, I'm so good at my work that I get it done while you're not looking. No, dad didn't believe that either. <laughs> and neither did mom. But uh, the point I'm pulling out is God uh, calls these people to ministry to use them as they minister. Here the Bible says this, we are priests. And he says, as they minister to the Lord. You and I this morning that are born again, saints of God, we're priests. Let me give you scripture on that, 1 Peter chapter 2. But ye, talking to us, back to that hermeneutics again. Do those Gentiles, and Peter's writing it because he gets this thing right. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past was not a people, Gentiles, but are now the people of God which had not ordained mercy, but now have attained mercy. So the first job of the Christian is to minister to the Lord. Your job this morning when you come in here was not to sit and listen to me and the other people trying to motivate you to sing for God. Your job was to be part of that and to sing out for God because we're ministers to the Lord. God is the audience this morning. And so during the singing, you were to lift up your voice and sing as loud as you could because God is going to be watching and we want God to be pleased because we are priests for the Lord and we need to minister to God. Now, I'm not saying sing your voice out. I have a tendency to do that. And uh, like Dad used to tell me, my old pappy, he says, look, you don't have to sing to the top of your lungs every time you sing. You hurt your voice doing that. But I believe that some of us could step it up a little bit more, couldn't we? Ministering to the Lord means doing what pleases the Lord and honors Him in our worship and in our praise and in our praying and in our listening and to honor God. And this is done. Now remember... We've been chasing the church and real church. You say, how is this done? Well, number one, it's done through membership. Uh, we've seen it in Acts 1, verse 15. We've seen it in Acts 2, verse 41. He says, and the Lord added to the church. And then we've seen it again in Acts 11, verse 26. He says, and they joined or assembled themselves with the church. Talking about Paul and Saul who later become the Apostle Paul, that honors God. It's done through discipleship. Again, 
Barnabas and Saul were discipling. What did he say there? Let's look at it. Verse 26 again in chapter 11. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples, see they were discipling new believers. So they were serving God in the church, discipling and assembling. They were not forsaking the assembling. They were assembled and they were committed a whole year. And he said, well, why, why, why just a whole year? Is that all I need to do? No. God called them out of there. He's telling you how long they got to stay there until God calls them out as missionaries. You see, they had just come back from service of going to Jerusalem to deliver the love offering up there. And God uses serving saints. And every saint is to serve. Let me give it to you like this in Ephesians chapter 4. It's a verse of scripture there. He says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Did you see that? Every joint supplieth. God wants every saint to serve. Every joint has a job to do. Did you, did you see that? Let me put it to you like this. I'll use an illustration. If you're, <laughs> I almost did this, but I was afraid I'd get the things off on the wrong foot. I was going to say, hey, I'll tell you what my age is if you tell me what your age is. But I knew that wasn't going to fly too well. So uh, if you're around my age or maybe a little older, we have this thing called cartilage. And cartilage goes in between joints. Especially in a knee joint, cartilage cushions the joints as they come together. And it softens that blow. As you get older, so they tell me, and I got, I'm lacking cartilage in my right knee. It's bone on bone, totally. And so uh, every time I take a step, it pops and cracks and moves and you know, all that good stuff. And uh, 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 there's no joint in between there. Your job, and let me say this. You say, but I can't be a Sunday school teacher, okay? I, 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 I can't be an offering taker. I, I can't play no instrument. Uh, there's nothing. Well, you could just simply be a joint. That's right. You can just be a joint that goes between two hard bones. And you have a job to do in service to the Lord. Every joint supplieth. Every saint is to serve. You are saved to serve. And he says, to finish the verse, according to the effectual working, and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There, here's what God's saying. There is no saved person that is insignificant. 
what he's saying. Everybody has a job to do. I don't care what the devil's put in your head, because the devil will put in your mind, you're not good. You're no good. You're not good enough. Say, how would you know that? Because he's tried that with me. I almost quit playing the piano one time. Why? Because I'm not as good as Anthony Berger. (laughs) Yeah, well, not many people are. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And God says, I didn't give you that much talent. I gave you just enough talent to do what you do. Now take that and invest that. Don't hide it. And invest it for me. Now maybe the devil's told some of you, well, I'm just not that good. But there is something that you can do. Nobody is insignificant that is a child of God. There's nobody really that's insignificant that's even a lost person. God died for them. God wants to see them come to know Him and to develop and start a relationship with Christ. But the point here is we need to be serving saints. Find something to do. If all you can find to do is sweep a floor, grab a broom, clean the sink out, or put new toilet paper in the bath stalls. It's necessary and it needs to be done. Secondly, you see this thing here in verse 2. It says, and as they ministered, so he's, he's, he's communicating to you that these two men he's getting ready to call to a mission or a ministry were active in their local New Testament church. You say, preacher, he didn't say all that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Words have meanings. Words paint pictures. Are you telling me he's painting a different picture than what I just told you? I don't think nobody here would think that. Maybe somebody on the live stream audience, they might. Maybe they heard it differently. But there's no other viewpoint to take but that. That's what's being communicated in the text when you don't read into it. Remember this, words, and I'm reteaching Friday night's message or Thursday night's, uh, words are bricks of thought. They're bricks. And sentences create units of thought. They paint a picture You've heard this. There's more than one way to skin a cat. If you don't believe me on that, you ever read a contract? (laughs) You better have some good hermeneutics. (laughs) The science of art, of interpretation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's words that imply things. And if you don't believe me, (laughs) get your contract out or have a contract dispute or have a property dispute. Words are important. But let's read to the point I want to get to. He says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. I see sanctified saints here. So we have serving saints, and God's teaching us this pattern. And this is where I'm headed. And maybe some of this has to do with because of what I've experienced, and it doesn't make it oh, just always so. But I, there's a growing trend today. It's another wind of doctrine that people 
They think they can bypass the local New Testament church and that God has called them to a special ministry even though they, they, don't, they don't go to church anywhere. <coughs> started dealing with this up north. And a lot of some of the people that we run into, they were trying to feed the homeless and they had this and they had that ministry and they was going to feed people under the bridge. And all these things are good. I'm not saying they're not good. But these were people that were not accountable to nobody. You don't know where that money's going. You don't know what's going. They come in and they want money. They want the church to give them money. But there's no accountability. And then they say, God called me to do this. Well, in this Bible, you will not find that patterned in the Bible. What you see and the people you see God calling to ministry is people that are serving in their local New Testament church. Let's look at this. When you serve in the little things, whether it's sweeping the floors, helping with setup, cleaning bathrooms, maybe teaching a class, singing specials. God will use you for the big things. Barnabas and Saul served in the church at Antioch. That should not be up for the debate. I've showed that to you. He exhorted them to purposely cleave to the Lord. If you was to look at chapter 11, verse 23, he was exhorting the brethren, cleave to the Lord. He recruited others to the church to help out. Barnabas went and got Saul, who was in Tarshish. He discipled much people and was faithfully committed in membership and service there to the church. And then God calls serving saints. Serving lawfully. I had this conversation with a pastor Monday evening. As when pastors get together, one of the things we talk about is why are certain churches growing and others not? Why are others struggling? And of course, we weren't talking about Bible believing churches, we we're just talking about churches in general and talking. And I made this comment. And probably should have been kept my mouth shut, but I made the comment because I was in the presence of older men who had pastored longer than I. But I said, I'll, I'll tell you something that comes to my mind I've thought about many times is I believe some of these churches and the pastors, again, I'm not talking about our Bible-believing churches in this area, which are, there are a number of them. But I'm talking about the churches that are following the Hillsong model or the Bethel worship and all this stuff. This is new evangelical, new emergent church where anything goes. And we're seeing, they're seeing great growth. And I said, let me put it to you like this. There's a little tidbit in the Bible. I don't think they're serving lawfully. See, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 2.5, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. God said, look, if you're going to be rewarded and pleasing in my eyes, you're going to have to do this thing lawfully. It's kind of like playing a football game, but you want to play out of bounds. And you don't... Do you think that they would let you on the team though you wouldn't join the team. 
And do you think they'd let you play on a football team if you're not going to listen to the head coach? Do, do you think that they'd let you play on the team in the football game if you never show up for practice? Now, I think that's language everybody can understand. The answer is no. Then why do people think that that can happen when it comes to the things of God? Now, I need to say this before I move on. There is a thing that we call <clears throat> church courtship. I mean, you just start coming to a church. You're saying, are you trying to say I got to join immediately? No. No, you need to sit and you need to listen to what's being preached and you need to listen to what's being taught. And you need to find out and search your heart and let God speak to you. Is God speaking to me through the preaching and through the teaching? And then once that time has passed, you say, that's it. Then you need to commit. So I'm not talking about the courtship process. I mean, you don't want to walk into church three weeks later, join it, and then find out three weeks after that it's a cult. Do you? I mean, in the day's age we live in, people can hide some things, can't they? What you see is not what you get. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm not putting pressure on anybody. I'm merely preaching the Word of God and showing you how this thing works from God's perspective. So God calls those that are going to serve lawfully. God calls obedient saints, serving God in the little things within the boundaries that He has given us to operate in. He says, I've given you a pastor, an evangelist, for the perfecting of the saints. That's the maturing of the saints. Nobody thinks they need to be matured no more. You ever try to train somebody for a job? Nobody wants to be trained no more. Everybody comes in, they're a boss. Well, no, I actually hired a guy one time. Let me correct that. My father hired a guy one time. <laughs> he, know, he remembers. Now, when you get brothers together and fathers, now that can be a rough bunch. And I was younger then, and I didn't have quite the, the skill of restraint that I have now. <laughs> For the sake of argument. <clears throat> and so this dude... He literally told my brother and I, now dad wouldn't stand there, that your father hired me to boss you. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we got a good laugh out of that. Because we knew why he had been hired. He was to assist us. But he thought he was the boss. He didn't want us to train him, didn't want us to show him how Gabbard's construction did things. And so, you know what I did? Yep. It's like breaking a green horse. We saddled him, put a bridle on him, like, all right, big boy, let's go. Show me. <laughs> oh, well. But, you know, people, they show up to work like that. They're like, oh, you can't train me. I know. I'm self-taught. Oh, I'm the best. And they don't know anything. They couldn't, they didn't, wouldn't even know their times table. That's a problem. It's a pride problem. So God calls serving saints, striving lawfully, obedient saints, serving God in the little things. 
And let me throw this in here. Jesus started the church. And it's clear from Scripture that God works through the church. It's part of His body. The work of God today is done through the church. That's your boundaries. You want to get in on the game? You want to get on the spiritual warfare? Then join the team. Now, what am I saying? God's ministry flows through the local church. And it's antichrist to claim God called you to ministry and you're not a member of a local New Testament church. You'll not find God calling someone to ministry in the New Testament who is not trying or who is trying to operate outside of the church. It is not modeled and it is not implied. And no, I did not steal that off of somebody. It just come to me as I was preparing this message because I deal with this so much. But it's not in the Bible. It's not patterned. It's not modeled. Missions. Say, well, God's calling me to a ministry. Not if you're not faithful in the local church. He's not. How would you know that, preacher? Because God is a God of order. He's going to deal with your sin of forsaking the assembly first before He calls you into service. God's calling me to this special ministry over here. I'm just not going to see you guys anymore. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not questioning your call. You were called, I'm sure, but not by God. That's what I'm calling into question. Because that is not patterned or modeled in the Bible. You think you've got an extra biblical revelation and are working outside of God's boundaries framework. And we know from Scripture that God said there was no more revelation. We call that an extra biblical revelation God said, don't add anything to what I gave you. And don't take anything from it. Missions. This is not a hard message, is it? Have I been long? Am I not looking at the camera? It's quiet. Do, I, do you have your thinking caps on? Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm not being mean at you? I'm not, I'm not at you. I'm not angry. I'm not sending something. Sub I, don't, I don't do, what do we call that? Subliminable cues? Well, I, I, as a rule, I don't do that. Unless I've really put a lot of thought into it, and I haven't. I'm not sending something across. I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at nobody. I'm merely teaching us. I had to be reminded of this. How is God still working? Here's why. I get bombarded by the winds of doctrine that come drifting through. And we don't want to be in a, a, such a mode of desperation that we begin to compromise what the Bible clearly says for momentary success, or what we think is, and then we make a mock out of the Word of God. You need to be a serving saint a sanctified saint. God said, you sanctify them. You know what that means? Set aside. Set aside for a particular purpose. A sanctified purpose. A holy. It, it has the connection to holy. Holiness. 
Some people can't get their modesty right. God ain't calling you a ministry until you got that right. He can't sanctify you if you're not willing to be sanctified. And then he'll send the saints. God sends Barnabas and Saul out from the church to be church planters. That's what missionaries are. Church planters. One of the questions you ask new missionaries that I ask them, what is your goal? What are you trying to do? If I don't hear I'm going to plant churches, once the church is up and running, I'm going to put in a national pastor, and I'm moving on to go start another work, it's a red flag. You say, why? Oh, I'll tell you why. Most of you know I was raised in a Christian family. I've been down in Texas on the border. My father wanted to be a missionary to the Tatamata Indians. At that time, nobody had their language. I think somebody has their language now. And, and those were people living in caves. I was a nine-year-old boy, and I was, I, we went in to look at this mission field. A missionary who was a missionary to the Spanish-speaking people took us into there. There's a whole tribe, a whole, whole bunch of these people still living in caves. Matter of fact, my mom probably still has a little wooden doll made by one of those people called Tatamata Indians. Now, let me get to what I was going to tell you. I've seen so many so-called missionaries that were getting support from American churches to the tune of four to $5,000 a month, living on the border, doing nothing, with their wife working a job, and they were bringing in a dual double income and they would go across the border maybe once, maybe twice a year, pass out a handful of gospel tracts, take a few pictures and call that a mission work. That's not missions. That's somebody scamming somebody. I've seen a lot of that in my life. And so questions must be asked because people want to play out of bounds don't they and that's not what the bible teaches us we have to be accountable to each other see they were ordained do you see that they laid hands and prayed on them. i'm about done they laid hands and prayed on them and sent them out just like christ did to the apostles in mark chapter 3 verse 14 what the Lord did let me give it to you like this as the church in Jerusalem diminishes we see the church at Antioch rise and flourish I believe it's because of their obedience to the command of Jesus go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them but then the third part teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. See, that's the discipleship part. He then blesses the church in Antioch for being mission-minded. And let us at Tree of Life Baptist be a mission-minded church. A church who wins people to Christ, disciples those saved saints, teaches those disciples, those discipled saints, to serve in their local New Testament church. And then watch God call 
those serving saints into the ministry. And then repeat the process again and again and again. That's a missions-minded church. A launch pad church where people come to know the Lord and they're discipled and they serve and then God says separate them. I'm going to send them out for a special work. And they're going to work through the church and I'm going to send them out. You know one of the signs of a healthy church is when God is calling people into ministry from your congregation. It's a sign of a healthy church and it's also a sign of a mature church. You know, the statistics say that there's fewer and fewer of that going on. You say, why preacher? Because there's too much cotton candy preaching. Not enough discipling and teaching and good, strong, backboned preaching on what the Word of God says, how it must be done. We don't change our beliefs to fit culture. We stay with the book and we stay doing what God told us to do and win those that we can win and let the Word of God change them from their culture. 